the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, September the 18th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1793, President George Washington laid the cornerstone of the U.S. Capitol. Today in 1830, Tom Thumb, that's what they had named the first locomotive built in the United States. They gave it a name, Tom Thumb. There's been a lot of discussion about the train versus the horse on the East Coast. And they, um, a lot of people were saying, well, the horse is much faster than the train. We don't need uh, trains running around. We don't need to lay all these railroad tracks, etc." Well, that led to, finally, a challenge. And um, they decided they would have a race, a horse race, a locomotive race, and see who really was the best, the locomotive or the horse. So they set this race up. There was a lot of betting, a lot of speculation. A lot of people turned out to watch this thing. It was a nine-mile race, the horse against the locomotive in Maryland. Today in 1830, guess who won? (laughs) Yeah, the horse. The train, the train lost, the locomotive. Today, I don't know if you needed to know that today, but I thought you might that might help you get through the day. Today, in 1927, the Columbia Phonograph Broadcasting System, it made its on-air debut with a basic network of 16 radio stations. They finally dropped the name Phonograph. We know it today as the Columbia Broadcasting System, or CBS. Today, in 1970, Seattle's own rock star, Jimi Hendrix, he died in London, 27 years old, drug abuse. Today, 1975, newspaper heiress Patty Hearst was captured by the FBI in San Francisco. That was 19 months after she'd been kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army. Now, a lot of us felt at the time, as we learned more about that, that she wasn't actually kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army. She kind of was a sympathizer with what they were doing and kind of joined them, but she was seen helping them rob a bank when she was supposed to be a captive of theirs. Um, But we thought maybe because she was a Hearst, her family was not only wealthy but influential. They owned a good piece of the news media that maybe that story was a little better than just saying that she had kind of rebelled and run off and become part of this far-left, idiotic group called Simeonese Liberation Army. But anyway, she was was captured today by the FBI. You can put captured in quotations. Today in 1998, ICANN, that's an acronym, I-C-A-N-N, stands for Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. It was formed to coordinate unique identifying addresses for websites worldwide, like faithandfreedom.us, that kind of thing. Today in 2001, letters postmarked from Trenton, New Jersey, 
that later tested positive for anthrax were sent to New the New York Post and to NBC anchorman Tom Brokaw. I remember well Tom Brokaw, I happened to be watching him that night, came on with, this, with the NBC News, and uh, he was holding a pill bottle like a prescription, and he said, in Zipro, I think it was called Zipro, that, that medication they were using, he said, in Zipro, we trust. And I thought, yeah, Tom, you probably do. I remember that as though it was yesterday. It was kind of offensive to me. We should be trusting in God. I mean, medication is something that's good, and it comes from an all-knowing God who allows us to discover his truth. But he opened the show, the news show, with in Cipro. We tried. I know he thought it was funny. I didn't. I remember it. Maybe I was the only one that felt that way, but I did. Today, 2014, voters in Scotland rejected independence. They opted to remain under the United Kingdom as part of it. It was a historic referendum. Unlike the colonists in America in 1776, the Scottish said in 2014 today, now we'll stay under the umbrella of Great Britain, the United Kingdom. Five years ago today, President Barack Obama announced that he would nominate longtime Pentagon official Eric Fanning to be the Army's new secretary. Fanning became the nation's first openly gay leader of the military service. NBC has published a story this morning. Kroger, one of the country's largest supermarket chains, you know Kroger, they own a lot of uh, QFC and they own a lot of names, but anyway, Kroger, Fred Meyer, etc., one of the co country's largest supermarket chains. NBC says they're being sued in federal court after two former employees claimed that they were wrongfully terminated for refusing to wear an apron with a rainbow symbol. NBC says the ex-employees who identify as Christian cited religious objections in their refusal to wear what they believed is an endorsement of LGBTQ community. NBC says the complaint was filed Monday this week by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, EEOC, on behalf of these two women, Brenda Lawson is 72, Trudy Rickard is 57. They both worked at a Kroger store in Conway, Arkansas. They'd been there for several years, but they were fired last spring. The two women were allegedly, NBC says, disciplined and eventually terminated after they refused to wear the new aprons issued in April. It featured, as I said, and as they said, they repeat, an embroidered rainbow heart at the top of the left portion of the bib. Now, you know that the homosexual community has, opt, you know, kind of co-opted the rainbow. God owns the rainbow, and it's about God and his promise to never destroy the earth again by water, by flood. We know that. But the gay community, the homosexual community, often co-opt like the word gay, for example. And there is a movement in America to take back those things that they've taken. I don't know how that's going, but there are people that have really committed themselves, their time and their resources to working to try to take back these terms that they have sort of co-opted and they use and they've now become synonymous with this whole movement, this identity movement of homosexuality. 
But anyway, the NBC says prior to their refusal to wear the new aprons, a lawsuit claimed that they had requested and were denied by Kroger a religious accommodation to the dress code in the form of covering up the rainbow symbols with their name tags. That seems reasonable to me, but apparently they asked Kroger and Kroger said no. They wouldn't let them cover it up. So clearly this was this was not about just rainbows are nice and have a happy day. This was an agenda-moving kind of a decision on the part of Kroger. I think their stores are great. We I like QFC and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, this was something more than just a passing thing that Kroger was doing. Because if they denied these two Christian women the opportunity, because of their religious beliefs, deeply held religious beliefs, to put their name tag over this rainbow, they were pretty intent on getting the message out of the rainbow. I mean, that even I can figure that out. The lawsuit says, according to NBC, that both women, quote, believe in literal interpretation of the Bible and, quote, hold a sincerely held religious belief that homosexuality is sin. Isn't it interesting that we have come from where just a few years ago the medical and psychological society associations in America actually deemed homosexuality as a mental illness? They did. I know that's not politically correct. You know, somebody tried to take me down over that, but, I mean, they did just a few years ago. Now, now they're identifying Christians as those who literally believe the Bible. Can you imagine that? Who, do, who believe that the LGBTQ community and that behavior is sin. They identify Christians now as believing that. Can you imagine that they're saying to the world? There are people. In this case, it's in Conway, Arkansas, but hopefully there's people in Seattle and Spokane and Portland and Boise and Salem and Olympia and wherever that still believe that because that's what the Bible says. But they're identified, they're identified as those who actually believe that the Bible is literal. Well, I'll tell you, got a got a note with a check from people that have been supporting this ministry since we almost since we went on the air. I can't remember, but thank you. You'll know who you are when I read what you wrote, I'm sure. But with their regular monthly check, they put Joshua 23:10 included in the note. This couple, they said. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. We live in a time of battle. We live in a time of great division. We hear a lot of conversation about that now, the great division in America. We've got to all come together. Joe Biden promised yesterday, if elected, within his first year of his presidency, I kid you not, he said, I will unite America. Sure he will. I don't know that he even knows where America is on the map. Anyway, it's, it's sad, but it's true. But he said he would unite America. That this isn't about a Democrat being 
elected to office. It's not about a Republican being elected elected to office. It's about deeply held beliefs. This is these are not a difference of ideas. This is not a competing political discussion that America is having. This cuts to the very core of each human being as a human individual, and it cuts to the very core of what America is all about. What do we really believe? Who are we? Our identity, our character, our moral basis, our moral moorings. That's what's really on the line in this election. And I think anyone who is a clear thinker knows that. I know the left knows it. And they are advocating strongly. They're putting everything they have, money, effort, time, influence. They're putting it on the line because they want to own the soul of America. Because they have rejected these old codes, as Hillary refers to them, of literally believing what the Bible says. So those are the days in which we live. And I want to say thank you to the couple that I just mentioned. I won't mention your name, but thank you. And to all of you who support this program and this ministry. In addition to this daily, it originates live radio program that you support. We also write an article every day and it goes out to thousands of people and it does have an influence. There are newspaper people, journalists who read this every, almost every day. I know they do because some of them have told me and I know that they do. They don't agree with me, but they read it. We touch a lot of people. Only the Lord knows how many through the radio, through the written word that we put out every day. But we're making an impact. And I want to thank you for your support. If this wasn't working and wasn't making an impact, I would be the first to get on my knees and ask God what he wants me to do because it wouldn't be this. But it is making an impact. And it's doing so because you're standing with me and supporting me. And I want to thank you. Words cannot adequately express how deeply I appreciate your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can go to our website. It's faithandfreedom.us. You'll see a little tab up there that says Donate. First thing you'll see is the dome of the Capitol building. And under that, you'll see some tabs, and one of them says donate. You can go there and donate online. Thank you so much, and thanks for standing with us. These are interesting times, to say the least. You know, I've concluded, and you probably would know that, that journalists can't handle the truth anymore. They really struggle with the truth, particularly if it doesn't match up with their agenda. Victor Davis Hansen, in his column yesterday, he said he's a... Um, He's a fellow of the Hoover Institute at Stanford University, former professor, intellectual, Christian, conservative, really a great guy. I don't know him personally, but I'd like to meet him. I watch him. He's on Fox often and um, other places he shows up. He writes columns that are just very, very good. Anyway, he, he said yesterday in a column that he wrote, he said, quote, the news as we once knew it is dead noting that stories are often covered only in terms of political agendas, but he said, quote, the real warping of the news is not just a matter of slanting coverage, but deliberately not covering the news at all. This week we've witnessed, this is me, no end of quote, this week we've witnessed what I'm calling a symphony of silence on the major news stories. 
You would think that the three mainstream news organizations, NBC, CBS, ABC, they left the practice room, went out on stage with Joe Biden conducting the players, this mass orchestra out there, and presented this stunning performance of silence. (laughs) Nothing. But that didn't happen because it didn't have to. They don't have to go to the practice room. They don't have to have secret meetings to talk about, well, how, here's the score, here's the music scores, here's all the parts we're going to play. They're already on the same page. It's like a premier jazz quintet on, the, on this illustration of music. They play off one another, often improvising to embellish the outcome. I mean, a part of it is guided by a music score, but a part of it is made up as you go. But they're all on the same page. That's what's happening with the three major economic um, or major news partners or news producers in America today. ABC, NBC, CBS. And there were three major economic stories this week that would influence voters. It really would. And they couldn't say anything bad about it because it would make them look bad. So they were silent, absolutely silent. Media Research Council is a is a conservative, Christian-based, I think they're Catholic, reporting organization. But the big three, they say, excuses for news shows ignored three major pieces of economic news this week that happened between September 15 and se- September 16. So that's just this week, a couple of days ago. What they say, and they have all the graphs, they have the whole deal on it. I'm not going to get lost in a lot of numbers here, but I, just follow me for a moment to make my point, and this is good news as well, and no, you did not hear it in the news because they didn't talk about it. MRC did the, re- did the research. This is their work, but it's, uh, it's encouraging, but it makes my point. Medium household in this is according to media research, median household income was $68,703 in 2019. That was an increase of 6.8% from 2018. The medium was 64324 in 2018. That is taken from Census Bureau information on September 15. The University of Michigan professor of economics and finances, Mark Perry, he says that that was the highest on record, about 10 times the average increase of 0.72% since 1968. Also, the, he says, the official poverty rate in 2019 dipped to 10.5%, the lowest rate observed since estimates were initially published in 1959, according, again, to government statistics. And finally, Bloomberg, yeah, that Bloomberg News, he reported on, uh, they reported on uh, September 16 that current homebuilder optimism jumped, uh, I'm quoting them, five points from a month earlier to 83, beating estimates and hitting the highest level in 35 years of the survey, according to the National Association of Home Builders and the Wells Fargo Market Index. It was 78 last month, which matched the previous record from 1998. I would add that the media also ignored, and this wasn't part of uh, Hansen's uh, column, but it, it fits, uh, my own reading and my own just research on things. Also, I noticed that it ignored the fact that the real medium incomes of white, black, Asian, and Hispanic households all increased from 2018 to 2019. 
and would have increased, continued, because the basis was there had we not had this virus. MRC also men, uh, mentioned that the big three morning news shows, we were talking about these. Uh, this other matter was the evening news, the morning news shows on these same ABC, NBC, CBS were no better. Yesterday, they ignored the U.S. unemployment rate that had dropped from two percentage points to 8.4% in August from 10.2% in June. Knowing that the country's been shut down for a year, that is phenomenal. But they didn't even mention it. A few short years ago, under the Obama administration, these stories would have been headlines. I mean like two-inch in print on newspapers. But they didn't even mention it. Sometimes I, I hear conservatives, and I find myself thinking this once in a while, if we could just return to the days of honest news. Personally, I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. Serious conservatives and Christians, I think we're at a time when we've got to put our minds, our hands, and our money to the task of creating parallel and alternative news providers. We've got to begin to get our information somewhere else. It's got to be biblically rooted. Or it simply is going to be, as they say, fake news or false. That's the world we live in today. The news, as Victor Davis Hanson said, as we once knew it, is dead. He notes that the drift toward biased news on the part of the media has been happening for a long time. For an example, he says, Shorenstein Center of Media, Politics, and Public Policy at Harvard University and this is not surprising, but he said they found in 2017, or since, I'm sorry, since 2017, that 93% of CNN's coverage of Trump is negative. I'm surprised that even 3% wasn't negative. But he said this election has only accelerated that. He talks about COVID-19 news stories cover only in terms of political agendas they're always claiming that Trump's handling of it has been a disaster. Yet, Hansen writes, Dr. Dr. Brick, Dr. Fauci, they've never faulted Trump administration over his performance. In fact, they attributed any shortcomings to initial global ignorance about the origins and nature of the epidemic. He says incompetence at the World Health Organization, that's for sure. And he mentions the initial inability of bureaucracies here to produce available and reliable test kits. Well, and one of the problems was, as was mentioned, but hardly in the news, but Trump tried to tell the country, he said the warehouses where we were supposed to keep all this stuff for a national emergency were empty. Thanks to Obama and Biden. They drew them down during a, I think it was a hurricane, which they should have, but they never replaced it. Hansen reminds us that prominent progressives criticized Trump's travel ban on China while Nancy Pelosi was on the news encouraging people to travel to San Francisco's Chinatown. Hansen says this week the Trump administration achieved the most stunning breakthrough in Middle Eastern diplomacy in over half a century when he got all those guys together in Israel and they signed those pieces, that peace accords and so on that he's talking about. He said that was a stunning achievement. Yet he said these historic events have drawn little to no media attention. He notes that silence on the fact that Iran is teetering on the brink. Its terrorist appendages, including Hezbollah, is broke. China is increasingly being ostracized by much of the world, and the U.S. has cut its carbon emissions, often at a rate superior 
this is Victor Davis Hansen, often at a rate superior to those nations still adhering to the Paris Climate Accord targets. You'll remember that when Trump withdrew, everybody on the left teamed up against him and said he doesn't care about the climate. And yet now the fact is that we've reduced our carbon emissions more than that accord called for, and the news refuses to report it. Hansen says we've been told that Trump has decided to never concede his sure loss in November and might have to be forcibly removed from the office, perhaps by the military. Well, Biden has promised, and the media has covered it repetitiously, that if if Trump doesn't leave the Oval Office, he will have the military forcibly remove him. He said that. The media is constantly saying that President Trump is dismantling the post office to disrupt mail-in voting. <laughs> Come to find out it's a practice of taking mail these blue mailboxes that are sitting around in neighborhoods, removing them and putting them somewhere else when they're not used much to not at all. They accused him recently of defiling the memory of fallen American soldiers in cemeteries abroad. Hence, it says all of this is demonstrably untrue. We're supported only by anonymous sources or were the sensationalism of authors hawking books. Yet such concocted melodramas will continue each week up to Election Day while fundamental geostrategic shifts abroad brought about by American diplomacy will by intent go unnoticed. That's why the news, as we have once understood it, is dead. He says, we've been replaced by the unnews, a political narrative created by partisans who believe the noble ends of destroying Trump justify any biased means necessary, including destroying their own reputation and craft. It's interesting, the day in which we live, it is a time of deception. I was thinking of deception, and I don't know why, but Deception Pass, <laughs> that's up on the north end of Whidbey Island, Washington State. I thought of Deception Pass. Marjorie and I used to drive up there a lot back in the day when we couldn't afford to go anywhere else. We would just take a little drive from over on the east side, Bellevue, where we lived, and, and uh, drive up there and kind of look at that. It was beautiful. I thought about that, and I remembered reading somewhere why that was called that? Have you ever wondered, those who live in the Northwest, have you ever wondered why it's called Deception Pass? That passage between Whidbey Island, Fidalgo Islands, and the mainland? Well, it got its name from Captain George Vancouver, and he wrote in the log of his boat, he said he felt deceived by the width of the waterway. That's why he called it Deception Pass, still called that today. I was thinking about that, and I remembered that the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 9, verse 6, he said, you live in the midst of deception. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 6, Paul instructs us to let no one deceive you with empty words. Empty words seem to characterize our culture, particularly our news media. Sometimes we can identify with Captain George, feeling deceived by the width of the waterway. But God promises us there is a passage through the most challenging, deceptive, confusing, experiences or passages in our life. Paul told the Corinthians that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Often what seems impossible is not, because with God all things are possible. 
We need to stay tuned to one another. We need to have an open heart and look at everything through the lens of God's Word. Thank you for being with me today. We will continue this conversation on Monday, the Lord willing, with your support and prayer. Thank you. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday.